0: Chapter Seventeen, Part Two of The Betroth This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter Seventeen part two the sky announced a beautiful day the pale and rayless moon was yet visible near the horizon in the spacious field of azure still softened by a tinge of morning grey which shaded gradually towards the east into a rosy and primrose hue still nearer the horizon a few irregular clouds stretched out in lengthened waves rather azure than grey their lower sides edged with almost a streak of flame becoming every moment more vivid and sharply defined while higher up light and fleecy clouds mingling with each other and of a thousand nameless hues floated on the surface of the placid heavens a true lombard sky so beautiful when it is beautiful so brilliant so calm had renzo been here to enjoy himself he would certainly have looked upwards and admired a dawn so different to what he had been accustomed to see among his native mountains but his eyes were bent to the ground and he walked on rapidly both to regain a little warmth and to reach the river as quickly as he could he retraced the fields the groves the bushes traversed the wood with a kind of compassion as he looked around and remembered the horror he had felt there a few hours before reached the edge of the precipitous bank and looking down through the crags and bushes discovered a fisherman's bark slowly making its way against the stream close by the shore he hastily descended the shortest way through the bushes stood upon the bank and gently called to the fisherman and with the intention of appearing to ask a favor of little importance but without being aware of it in a half supplicatory manner beckoned to him to approach the fisherman cast a glance along the shore looked carefully both up and down the river and then turning the prow towards renzo approached the side renzo who stood at the very edge of the stream almost with one foot in the water seized the prow as it drew near and jumped into the boat be good enough to take me across to the other side and i'll pay you for it said he the fisherman had already guessed his object and had turned the prow to the opposite bank renzo seeing another oar at the bottom of the boat stooped down and took it up softly softly said the owner but on seeing how dexterously the youth laid hold of the implement and prepared to handle it "Aha!" added he you know your business a little replied renzo and he began to row with a vigor and skill beyond those of an amateur while thus exerting himself he cast an occasional dark glance at the shore he had just left and then a look of anxiety to the one they were approaching he was annoyed at having to go at all down the stream but the current here was too rapid to cut directly across it so that the bark partly cleaving and partly following the course of the water was obliged to take a diagonal direction as it happened in all dark and intricate undertakings that difficulties present themselves to the mind at first only in general but in the execution of the enterprise are more minutely observable so now that the adda was forded so to say renzo felt a good deal of disquietude at not knowing for certain whether here it was the boundary of the two states or whether when this obstacle was overcome there might not be others still to surmount addressing the fisherman therefore and nodding with his head towards the whitish spot which he had noticed the night before and which now appeared much more distinct is that bergamo said he that town the city of bergamo replied the fisherman and that shore there does it belong to bergamo the territory of st mark long live st mark exclaimed renzo the fisherman made no reply they reached at length the opposite shore. Renzo jumped out upon it, and thanking God in his heart, expressed his gratitude in words to the boatman. Then putting his hand in his pocket, he drew out thence a berlinga, which, considering his circumstances, was no little loss to him, and handed it to the worthy man, who, giving another glance at the Melanese shore and along the river in either direction, stretched out his hand and received the gift he put it into his pocket and after compressing his lips at the same time laying his forefinger across them with a significant expression of countenance said a good journey to you and turned back that the reader may not be surprised at the prompt yet cautious civility of this man towards a perfect stranger it will be necessary to inform him that frequently requested to perform a similar service to smugglers and banditti he was accustomed to do so not so much for the sake of the trifling and uncertain gains which he might thereby obtain as to avoid making himself enemies among these classes he afforded this assistance whenever he could assure himself of not being discovered by the custom-house officers bailiffs or spies Thus, without particularly favoring one party more than the other, he endeavored to satisfy all with that impartiality usually exercised by those who are compelled to deal with a certain set of people, while liable to give account to another. Renzo paused a moment on the bank to contemplate the opposite shore, that ground which just before had almost burnt beneath his feet. Ah, I'm really out of it was his first thought hateful country that you are was his second bidding it farewell but the third recurred to those whom he had left there then he crossed his arms on his breast heaved a sigh bent his eyes on the water which flowed at his feet and thought it has passed under the bridge thus at Leco was generally called among his fellow-countrymen by way of eminence ah hateful world enough whatever god wills he turned his back upon these mournful objects and went forward taking for a mark the white track on the side of the hill until he met with someone to give him more particular directions in his way it was amusing to see with what carelessness and disembarrassment he now accosted travelers and how boldly he pronounced the name of the village where his cousin resided without hesitation or disguise from the first person who directed him he learnt that he had yet nine miles to travel his journey was not very blithesome independent of his own troubles his eyes rested every moment on pitiable objects which told him that he would find in the country he was entering the poverty he had left in his own all along the way but more particularly in the villages and large towns he saw beggars hastening along mendicants rather from circumstances than profession who revealed their misery more in their countenances than their clothing peasants mountaineers artisans entire families and a mingled murmur of entreaties disputes and infant cries. besides the mournful pity that it woke in renzo's mind this sight also aroused in him to the remembrance of his own circumstances. Who knows, thought he, as he went along, if I shall find anything to do, if there is any work now to be got, as there used to be. Well, Bartolo is kindly inclined to me. He is a good fellow. He has made some money, and has invited me very often. He surely won't forsake me. Besides, Providence has helped me hitherto, and will help me, i hope for the future in the meanwhile his appetite already considerably sharpened became as he went on his way more and more craving and though he felt that he could manage very well to the end of his journey which was now only about two miles without great inconvenience yet he reflected that it would not be exactly the thing to make his appearance before his cousin like a beggar and address him with the salutation. Give me something to eat. So drawing on all his riches from his pocket, he counted them over on the palm of his hand to ascertain the amount. It was an amount that required little calculation, yet still there was more than enough to make a small meal. He therefore entered an inn to get a little refreshment, and, on paying the account, Found that he had still a few pence remaining just outside lying in the streets and so close to the door that he would have fallen over them had he not been looking about him renzo saw two women one rather elderly and the other a younger person with an infant at her breast which after vainly endeavouring to satisfy its hunger was crying bitterly they were all three as pale as death and standing by them was a man in whose face and limbs there might still be discerned tokens of former robustness though now broken and almost destroyed by long poverty the three beggars stretched out their hands to renzo as he left the inn with a free step and revigorated air but none of them spoke what more could language have expressed there's a godsend for you said renzo as he hastily thrust his hand into his pocket and taking out his last pence put them in the hand that was nearest to him and went on his way the refreshment and this good work together since we are made of both soul and body had gladdened and cheered all his thoughts certain it is that he felt more confidence for the future from having thus deprived himself of his last penny than if he had found ten such for if providence had kept in reserve for the support of three wretched beggars almost fainting on the road the last farthing of a stranger himself a fugitive far from his own home and uncertain how to get a living could he think that that providence would leave in destitution him whom he had made use of for this purpose and to whom he had given so vivid so effective so self-abandoning an inclination such was in general the feeling of the youth though probably not so clearly defined as that which we have expressed in words during the remainder of his walk as his mind recurred to the different circumstances and contingencies which had hitherto appeared the most dark and perplexing all seemed to brighten the famine and poverty must come to an end for there was a harvest every year in the meantime he had his cousin bartolo and his own abilities and as a help towards his support a little store of money at home which he could easily send for with this assistance at the worst he could live from day to day as economically as possible till better times then when good times have come at last continued renzo in his fanciful dreams the demand for work will be renewed masters will strive who shall get milanese weavers because they know their trade best the milanese weavers will hold their heads high they who want clever workmen must pay for them we shall make something to live upon and still have some to spare we can then furnish a cottage and write to the women to come and besides why wait so long shouldn't we have lived upon my little store at home all this winter so we can live here there are curates everywhere those two dear women might come now and we could keep house together oh what a pleasure to go walking all together on this very road to go as far as ada in a cart and have a picnic on the shore yes just on the shore and i'd show them the place where i embarked the thorny path i came down and the spot where i stood to look if there was a boat at length he reached his cousin's village and just at the entrance even before he set foot in it distinguished a house considerably higher than the rest with several rows of long windows one above another and separated by a much smaller space than the divisions between the different stories required he at once recognised a silk mill and going in asked in a loud voice so as to be heard amidst the noise of the running water and the machinery if bartolo castagnari lived there the signor bartolo he's there the signor that's a good sign thought renzo and seeing his cousin he ran towards him bartolo turned round recognised his relation as he exclaimed here i am myself and received him with an oh of surprise as they mutually threw their arms around each other's neck after the first welcome bertolo took his cousin into another room apart from the noise of the machinery and the eyes of the curious and greeted him with i'm very glad to see you but you're a pretty fellow i've invited you so often and you never would come and now you arrive in rather a troubled time ''Since you will have me tell you, I have not come with my own good will,'' said Renzo. And then, as briefly as possible, and not without some emotion, he related his mournful story. ''That's quite another thing,'' said Bartolo. ''Oh, poor Renzo. But you've depended upon me, and I'll not forsake you. Certainly, there's no great demand for workmen just now.'' Indeed, it's all we can do not to turn off those we have and give up the business. But my master likes me and he has got some money. And to tell you the truth, without boasting, he mostly owes it to me. He has the capital and I give my abilities such as they are. I'm the head workman, you know. And besides, between you and me, I'm quite his factotum. Poor Lucia Mandela. I remember her as it were, but yesterday, a good girl she was, always the best behaved in church, and whenever one passed her cottage, I see that cottage in my mind's eye, outside the village, with a fine fig tree peeping over the wall. No, no, don't let us talk about it. I was only going to say that whenever one passed that cottage, there was the real always going, 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 and that Don Rodrigo, Even in my time he was inclined that way. But now he's playing the devil outright, from what I hear, so long as God leaves him to take his own course. Well, as I was saying, here too we are suffering a little from the famine. Apropos, how are you for appetite? I got something to eat a little while ago on the road. And how are you for money? Renzo held out one of his hands and putting it to his mouth, gently puffed upon it never mind said bortolo i've plenty pluck up your heart for i hope things will soon change please god and then you can repay me and lay up also a little for yourself i've a trifling sum at home and will send for it very well and in the meantime you may depend upon me god has given me wealth that i may give to others and whom shall i serve so soon as my own relations and friends i said i should be provided for exclaimed renzo affectionately pressing his good cousin's hand then rejoined his companion they've had a regular uproar at milan i think they're all a little mad the rumor has already reached here but i want you to tell me things a little more particularly ah we've plenty to talk about here However, you see, we go about it more quietly, and do things with rather more prudence. The city purchased two thousand loads of corn from a merchant who lives at Venice. The corn came from Turkey, but when life depends upon it, such things are not looked into very narrowly. See now what this occasioned. The governors of Verona and Brescia stopped up the passages and said, No corn shall pass this way what did the burmascans do think you they dispatched a man to venice who knew how to talk the messenger went off in haste presented himself to the doge and asked him what was the meaning of such a trick and such a speech he made they say fit to be printed what a thing it is to have a man who knows what to say an order was immediately issued for the free transit of corn REQUIRING THE GOVERNORS NOT ONLY TO LET IT PASS, BUT TO ASSIST IN FORWARDING IT, AND NOW IT IS ON ITS WAY. THERE IS PROVISION ALSO FOR THE SURROUNDING COUNTRY. ANOTHER WORTHY MAN GAVE THE SENATE TO UNDERSTAND THAT THE PEOPLE IN THE COUNTRY WERE STARVING, AND THEY HAVE ORDERED THEM 4,000 BUSHELS OF MILLET. THIS HELPS, YOU KNOW, TO MAKE BREAD. AND THEN I NEEDN'T SAY THAT IF THERE ISN'T BREAD FOR US, WE WILL EAT MEAT god has given me wealth as i told you now then i'll take you to my master i've often mentioned you to him and i know he'll welcome you he's a burgomaskan of the old sort and a kind-hearted man certainly he doesn't expect you just now but when he hears your history and besides he knows how to value good workmen for the famine must come to an end and business will go on but first of all i must warn you of one thing do you know what they call us melanese in this country no what is it they call us blockheads that's not a very nice name so it is whoever is born in the territory of milan and would make a living in that of bergamo must be content to bear it patiently it is as common among these people to give the name of blockhead to a melanese as your illustrious lordship to a cavalier they only say so i fancy to those who will put up with it my dear fellow if you are not disposed continually to brook the title don't reckon that you can live here you would be obliged always to have a knife in your hand and when you have killed we will suppose two three or four of your neighbours you'd meet with somebody who would kill you and what a nice prospect to have to appear before god's tribunal with three or four murders on your head and a melanese who has a little here he tapped his forehead with his forefinger as he had done at the sign of the full moon i mean one who understands his business it's all the same he too would be a blockhead do you know what my master says when he's talking of me to his friends heaven has sent me this blockhead to conduct my business. If it were not for this blockhead, I should do very badly. It's the custom to say so. It's a very foolish custom, especially considering what we do. For who was it, in fact, that brought the art here, and now carries it on, but us? Is it possible there's no help for it? Not hitherto, there may be. In the course of time, among the young people who are growing up, But in this generation there is no remedy. They've acquired the habit and won't leave it off. After all, what is it? It's nothing to the tricks they've played upon you and that most of our precious fellow countrymen would still play upon you. Well, that's true. If there's no other evil, now that you are persuaded of this, all will go well. Come, let us go to my master and be of good heart.' everything in fact did go well and so exactly in accordance with bartolo's promises that it is needless to give any particular description and it was truly an ordering of providence for we shall soon see how little dependence was to be placed upon the small savings renzo had left at home end of chapter 17 part 2